You are listening to Fruitless, a podcast hosted by me, Josiah Sutton. This is episode 10, Iowa and the Right, featuring Gavin Aronson. Welcome to Fruitless. Uh, I am joined today by Gavin Aronson of the Iowa Informer and a lot of other stuff. Uh, <laughs> why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself real quick here? Uh, yeah, I'm, I founded the Iowa Informer, which is uh, independent, now kind of uh, lapsed uh, <laughs> for the time being anyway, a publication. I did have a print version at one point. Uh, before that, I did a bunch of other stuff. I was a city reporter at the Ames Tribune, and then I uh, went to uh, grad school and taught some entry-level like undergrad classes at the Iowa State Journalism School. Um, freelance sometimes. Yeah. And uh, do some podcast stuff. Uh, my friend Kelly Bevins and I, we had a podcast, Iowa Off Culture, that maybe we'll get back to. We haven't done anything with that for several months, but we had three yeah. episodes that I thought were pretty good. So yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, good, uh, good weird Iowa history stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun to dig into at least. Um, so yeah, a, a theme I've been kind of returning to the on this show a lot is like making sense of the Midwest. And you know, you you spent you know most of your professional career kind of keeping an eye on um, the state of Iowa politics, especially Iowa like right wing politics, and so. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of get your thoughts on uh, how we, you know, wh- where we are in politics in Iowa and where you think it's going, which is a really vague question, but I, I'm sure we'll get somewhere interesting with it. And a hard one to answer, but nobody knows, so I can say pretty much whatever. Yeah, well, most of the people listening to this aren't from Iowa anyway, so you could probably just make shit up and they'd be like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I'll try not to do too much of that, but we'll see. What, I guess, what what would you, if you were talking to somebody from out of state, what, what would you say, like, the current place Iowa is politically? Where is it going right now from just, like, your vantage point? I guess that depends on, you know, <laughs> who you're talking to. But I guess I would say, of course, it's not going in a good direction. And it's not a lot of, doesn't look very hopeful right now. And yeah. it's only going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, pretty sure of that. Uh, we, there's a huge advantage the republicans already have and have had for half decade plus now in yeah. uh governor's office in the state house they've controlled both uh branches of the iowa state house since uh 2016 when donald trump was elected mm-hmm. and what's happening here is not that different from what's happening around the country and uh in the midwest a lot of what happened in wisconsin is happening in iowa if you remember mm-hmm that uh union busting and uh privatization and just a hard sudden rightward turn uh at least yeah from what i w- uh, witnessed from you know out of state i was i think i was at mother jones at the time when that happened in the early 2010s uh doing a fellowship there and covering campaign finance and digging into that so i do have a little background on wisconsin and then uh that's basically what ended up happening in iowa and a lot of these political operatives they of course jumped from state to state and there were uh you know some from wisconsin who just carried that model over to iowa and you know in their perspective very mm-hmm. successfully i'm sure they would think yeah yeah so we're, we're seeing this like rightward pivot you said you said like the early 2010s is like when you you kind of was seeing that at least in wisconsin um if i remember correctly yeah because i was on several projects when i was at mother jones i was there for about three yeah. years and when i was earlier on there was i was doing campaign finance stuff and i remember wisconsin was uh, one of the places maybe that was before it it happened but mm. uh scott walker and uh, scott walker right um yeah you know, because like the old conventional wisdom, I, at least from I remember growing up, was that, you know, I was like a swing state. Um, it was, you know, kind of framed that way anyway, that, it, you know, it's kind of on a 50 50. It could go either way. I mean, didn't it go for Obama, right? During the. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, something seems to have like shifted 
I don't know. It, it just I, it feels like palpable in the air here. It feels like there is a pretty strong right wing direction. What do you think you, you what do you think you could hold responsible for that, if anything specific? Uh, I should have prepared for that one better because I knew you're going to ask something like that. Uh, <laughs> it is interesting that, you know, Iowa went for Obama and then turned around and went for Trump. Uh, yeah. That happened, you know, not just in Iowa. That was you know, none of these trends are unique to Iowa, but it's something that before, you know, it happened in Iowa, you know, I, of course, hoped it wouldn't <laughs> come here, but it's really <laughs> but it here it swept is. over yeah. this has swept over the state and quite dramatically. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of factors and there are a lot of people who have more, you know, are more credential than I am, who I don't think have a great answer for all of that either. Uh, well, one thing in Iowa specifically is uh, Mike Gronstall, uh, Iowa Senate uh, leader. He, for a long time, held on uh, and uh, the Iowa Senate had a 26-24 majority of Democrats and when he left office, all bets were off then, uh, because that's when Republicans pretty much had their way mm-hmm. with everything. And yeah. just uh, whatever allure of Trump, you know, people have all kinds of theories. And yeah, I, Iowa demographically is you know changing, I suppose, but uh, it's mm-hmm. m- it's more than that. And yeah, you know, he was just mm-hmm. uh, he caught on in Iowa, and people you know liked what he had to. Had to say, yeah, yeah, that's a terrible response. I, I don't have a great answer. No, but I, I mean, I, I think everybody has been, I mean, since 2016, kind of scrambling to figure out what the hell has been happening with the country broadly, and you know, not not that there weren't like reactionary elements of the country before then, of course, but something just seemed to have flipped in the air. And I think part of it is just the I don't want to say polarization, really, because I kind of hate that because it kind of leads yeah. down the road to this false dichotomy between left and right both being you know oh two sides you know, bad. Um, yeah right which is right. not what's happening um <laughs> but i mean trump he just said whatever the hell he wanted to say and i think that is you know part of it, it really broke just all the conventional accepted mm-hmm. conventions of politics and yeah. a lot of norms that you know he showed pretty effectively that the only thing holding those together were the fact that people were accepting them as mm-hmm. the standards and when you just blow that up then you know, things yeah. are going to change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's probably a big, big part of what's happened here. Um, you, you know, you mentioned demographic changes. You know, we um, it's it's been a slow process of, of um, you know, I, I was taking more and more uh, immigrants in. And so there is kind of a demographic shift. Do you think there's kind of a racist reaction going on to that stuff that might be playing a role into this? Or Yeah. And I think that also... With Obama, there is a really, this is not specific to Iowa, but uh, I think David Remnick in The New Yorker interviewed him after Trump won the election in 2016, which I like. I think most people failed to predict. I did, did not see that coming. So mm-hmm. um, take my you know future predictions here with a <laughs> grain of salt. But uh, he said something that still sticks with me. He said, you know, I think maybe I came around 10 or 20 years too early and I don't know you know, if uh, a black man or, you know, a, a, well, a black man, because that's what happened, you know, uh, as I say, or a woman, but when in lost, you mm-hmm. know, but uh, had he, uh, a black president been elected in the future, I think there still might have been this racial backlash. And I think that it, it kind of emboldened a lot of these uh, closeted racists or not really, but yeah. closeted, but they felt more comfortable speaking out. And I think the shift from Obama to Trump really uh, kind of accelerated that especially because yeah. Trump campaigned on, I mean, he rose to political prominence specifically by uh, fanning the flames of the, the birther conspiracy theory. And I think that that played a role. Um, I, I recently wrote a book review of Steve King's memoir. Uh, Walking I was going to, I was going to bring up, I was going <laughs> to bring up Steve King here. Cause he's a, to me, a good example of that, a reaction to immigration and stuff. He's got that famous quote about, um, knowing an illegal immigrant because of like the size of their calves or whatever. So like yeah, the, the cancel of calves. Um, but yeah, so you, you wrote a review of a uh, Steve King's book. Yeah. And I wrote, I wrote that for uh, um, men yell at me, which is Liz Lenz's Substack. She's a prominent journalist who's uh, based in Iowa, Cedar Rapids. Uh, hmm. I believe she wrote for the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And then the Iowa Republican party basically ran a successful smear campaign against her and pressured the, 
owners of the paper to fire her, which is a pretty shitty thing that we should we should I, return to that story in a you. second. I'm, I I don't know that story, but um, but yeah, what what were you saying about Steve King's book? <laughs> uh, Substacks. Is that I wrote that review, and one of the things I tried to focus on in that was um just how the Iowa Republican Party will claim that they took care of Steve King, and you know they they but they never truly grappled with his really pretty ex- very explicit racism and white nationalist rhetoric. They never even directly called it that, you know, the Randy Feenstra who beat him eventually in the 2020 primary called him or called his rhetoric caustic rhetoric. And that's about as far as he ever went. Racism <laughs> yeah. never played a role in the, the primary aside from, you know, there's like the elephant in the room. It's obvious like why Steve King became a, uh, you know, a politically toxic uh, figure for the party. But mm-hmm. they tolerated him up until that point. So, And one thing I, I wrote in the review, too, is that there are so many political figures in Iowa, in the state house, current elected representatives who are calling the shots, who supported Steve King for years, who have, you know, more or less, broadly speaking, the same political views that he does, and who, you know, are facing no consequences for any of that. They might. Yeah. And they don't even conceal it all that well they don't you know about you know rhetoric straight from like a some speech or like a you know a, a, a clan rally like steve king kind of did with you know, diversity is not our strength and things like that it's pretty obvious where steve king was is getting his you know information but i mean mm. effectively it's really no different they have the same worldview yeah yeah it's it's you know king king was kind of like an earlier version of the you know kind of what what has become like trumpism right it's the more mask off like here's the you know straight up with with the the kind of racist stuff is like a lot of the republicans in iowa prior to trump in my memory anyway had like an attempt to try to seem like i don't know um more balanced like oh they were just they just happened to be conservatives you know mm-hmm. which they, they you know obviously they always held these views but they were never you know as as explicit as like something just that kind of switched in 2016 Um, that's a fascinating thing about steve king's story specifically not to get too focused on him but i mean a lot of time focused on him very recently and also for months on end in the not too distant uh, past um but he he kind of his time finally arrived he he got a a one-on-one meeting with trump in the oval office which would be unheard of at any point in his political career before that. But at the same yeah. time that Trump ascended and that these xenophobic, racist, uh, white, you know, nationalist kind of you know, ideas entered the mainstream of the Republican Party, Steve King, you know, I, you know for whatever reason, was the, the guy who, that was his downfall as it was on its way up. So I think it's kind of an interesting uh, uh, yeah. study in contrast there and something I try to, focused on some of what i write about him and discuss about him you're saying that that was kind of part of like king's downfall it's kind of interesting that he like it's it's almost as if steve king was a trumpian politician like too early because i think i think if he did the shit he's doing he was doing like if he started his political career right now i could see him being like a ron DeSantis figure like somebody people like really like like conservatives really like but i mean mean, they did like him but yeah. Yeah. You look at who's in Congress now and even, I mean, Steve King just I, maybe like unlocked his, you know, what it was, his id or I don't know, like his, uh, he, <laughs> I mean, he, he was just flying to Europe and meeting with fascist political parties left and right and saying stuff that was just, I mean, for a while before I got used to it, it was like, holy shit. Like he is really just going all out. Yeah. And, you know, it was, not certain for a while whether or not he was going to take it too far and actually face any consequences and then the jd shulton uh election in 2018 showed that okay yeah he is vulnerable but now you look at like victor orban is uh they had the cpac hungary gathering and i think he's invited to the u.s cpac and he's yeah saying, isn't that pretty isn't like, that in dallas <laughs> this week actually yeah that's yeah it's yeah <laughs> no, I mean, he's saying some like explicit like neo-nazi kind of stuff and been in the news not infrequently for it so yeah, yeah you well, could be right but yeah it's very interesting to me just the the timeline of steve king's downfall and the ascension of all this at the same time 
I, I was unaware of this, and you you kind of said it there. Uh, uh, this is before even all this. Steve King had flown out to meet Victor Orban, or was it, or was it someone else in Europe you were referring to? Uh, well, it's. I believe there's a photo of him with Victor Orban in his memoir. <laughs> oh it's, man, there's a photo, photo of several people. He has a whole chapter on Victor Orban and like really, uh, yeah, the Great Replacement. Yeah, wow. here's, here's Steve King in Hungary meeting with Victor Orban right here. <laughs> Jesus, and what what gear is that? Does it say mm-hmm. October fourth, twenty sixteen? So, so he was on uh, it. Yeah, yeah, he was a, a, a we call that a early adopter of the European yeah. fascists. Because you're you're seeing like the the Victor Victor Orban is like um, I, I think it's really troubling the kind of love affair that the uh, the American conservative movement is kind of having with him right now because it's not just like it's not like you know this isn't this is beyond just like old like i don't know kind of conservative capitalist stuff this is like straight fascist like open what is what is the term i don't know if orban uses it or others use it about him but like the illiberal democracy yeah you know (laughs) yeah i mean he really truly is yeah he's used that term himself i believe and yeah i mean he wants he's like a want to be authoritarian and mm-hmm. i mean the george soros is from there too and victor orban used to be like the uh like a uh, protege of soros or he got funding from soros foundation or something that's I forget the really details, fascinating yeah he basically like kicked out like soros had a i mean i don't remember the details but he didn't soros have a university or something there or something that he forced out of the country or shut down and there's this really nasty anti-Semitic smear campaign that the government orchestrated against him and just really out in the open stuff. Oh, wow. I didn't, I never made that, that connection. Like, I mean, I, I made the connection that uh, stuff about George Soros was often anti-Semitic, but I, I didn't realize that had a connection to Hungary in that way. Yeah. I, I think, I think Hungary is going to be unfortunately a pretty important country going forward for the, uh, the right. Cause I, I think of like, um, the role like the USSR or Cuba had for the far left in the US where they would like, oh, you know, like a leftist in- intellectual would get to go tour the USSR or something like that. Like that's what Orban's doing with with right wing figures right now is, you know, I think of like Rod Dreher just moved to Hungary recently. Oh, God, um, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He spent he spent all of his career writing about uh, how important it is to uh, maintain family and keep your roots. And then he uh uh, got divorced, dished his kids, and moved to Hungary. So, <laughs> yeah, I followed that a bit. That guy is awful. Yeah, so that that's interesting that there's like that d- direct connection to Hungary um, in kind of Iowa politics there with with Steve King. Um, so Steve King is like one of the bigger like right wing figures from here. I think um, also somebody... really really quickly. Um, also, the uh, uh, Tucker Carlson is a big Orban stan. Oh and, yes, uh, he yeah. recently appeared at the the family leaders annual summit in Iowa. In, in Iowa, yeah, I was uh, actually going to bring that up, uh, so might as well bring it up now. I, um, I, I, because a lot of people were saying that he was hinting at running. What do you think that Tucker's going to try to run in twenty twenty four or not? Uh, if I had to guess, no. Your guess I is mean, no. I mean, who the fuck knows? But there. <laughs> They say that about everybody and, you know, maybe he's testing the water because someone, you know, suggested that or he's got some idea of that. But yeah, uh, what do you what do you think? Do you think he's I I almost am convinced he's going to run in 2024. But if he doesn't, I I think he's going to get into electoral politics eventually here Um, because I think Trump established that route that you can go from like media to. um... Well, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like maybe he'd. Uh, run is like a publicity stunt, which I think is, I mean, pretty well established. That's why Trump run ran too, and then he just accidentally yeah. kind of won. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what happened with him. And so, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe President Carlson, Jesus, Jesus. Oh man, no, I that was so funny because uh, my my Twitter people were starting to hum about like he might be uh, about to announce he's going to run, and I was like looking at where that. Where, where he was speaking at, and I realized it was a block away from where I was working at. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, because I was downtown Des Moines. Um, yeah. I, I thought about I thought about trying to, like, go sneak in or something, but... I should have. I've just been so... I need to get back into 
doing some writing because I had just uh, I got really burned out on it. Yeah, and uh, a lot was going on last year, and I just stepped away. And um, yeah, I'm glad I wrote that book review, but I need to start getting back in the into it yeah. again. Yeah, well, um, well, yeah, you were you were a lot more active during the uh, the 2020 protests because you were working with Aaron Calvin. Um, and I think, I think that's kind of an interesting direction to maybe go to here for yeah, a second, sure. because, um, I was going to mention another figure I think of as, is pretty important to understanding the right in, um, Iowa right now is Kim Reynolds. And she really mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it was before 2020 that I was aware that she was like bad, obviously the, you know, that we had a bad governor, but it was during 2020 that you really got to see her like become this, I don't know, really uh, a figure. Well, I guess it was also the, it was a combination of COVID and the protests because she was really, really failing with the COVID response. And then like notoriously, she like kind of hit a protester with her car, um, during BLM, yeah. um, yeah, Jalen Cavill, who ended up yeah. running for well, yeah. office later on. One of her drivers did. <laughs> yeah, 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 she didn't. I should say, yeah, yeah. she was she was just in the car that hit a protester. That's all. <laughs> but um, no, uh, you know, I was gonna say like so, there was definitely a switch that happened in 2020 here as well because I, I for, for me anyway, I know like it was a a big moment of like. I, I didn't expect the protests to get as big as they did in Des Moines for the bit that they were. Um, but then, you know, there, there was kind of, it kind of locked into step where it's like, okay, Kim Reynolds backing the cops. We're talking, we're getting this like, you know, uh, emphasis on like trying to militarize DMPD. Um, I, I don't know. Some, something really changed in 2020 for me, but I, I have a hard time putting my finger on what it was. Well, that was fascinating to me because uh, one of the things I did at Mother Jones when I, I was an intern there and then got yeah. this fellowship that kept getting extended. And one of the reasons or the reason I initially did was because I was every like day after work, I was going to the Occupy Oakland protest. Yeah, really, like, yeah. Turned me into the lunatic on Twitter I am today because I had, you know, like, <laughs> they, they, they made all the new interns uh, join Twitter if they weren't on it, which I wasn't. And then... I just got like addicted to it basically. I mean, I was like also very into the um, the movement. It was very fascinating to go there and talk to people and watch it. And just the militarized police response is nothing new in Oakland. They have a long, you know, sordid history oh, yeah. of it oh, there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like every day, like there are people saying like, oh, I woke up this morning just to like read your tweets from what you were doing, you know, like getting up to the, the previous night. And so, I mean, I have a yeah. lot of, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. Like a lot of my views on protests have been informed by that. That's actually those two posters. Yeah. Can't really see them, but those are like uh, Occupy Oakland posters there. On the, oh, sick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but to like, see that in Des Moines, that was the first time they had deployed tear gas. And I can't remember how long, just like ages. And I, I actually, it, yeah. I, yeah, I went to, I was just uh, a girl I was dating at the time. And I, we were debating whether to go to the protest in Des Moines or Minneapolis, uh, not too long <laughs> after the George Floyd murder. And we decided to go to Minneapolis because I was thinking, you know, I'm, what could happen in Des Moines? I was like one of the wildest nights in Des Moines <laughs> that we missed. But Minneapolis was wild, too. There was a Wells Fargo on fire and uh, we took off. Yeah. She didn't want to get in the middle of a, a riot uh, police showdown. You know, um, yeah. They're on their ways and on their way and issue, about to issue dispersal orders. But uh, I did end up going to Des Moines. Sorry for the long story here, but uh, no, no, you're good. I, I was trying to figure out places to park, and I just was distracted, and I accidentally drove like right in front of the Capitol, and like right into a cloud of tear gas. And it's like I don't know how like, I, oh, man. I, I thought I could I... get through, but um, and then there's some uh, protester. She opened the door and like jumped into my car, and then I looked at her, and she looked at me, and she's like, "Oh, sorry, I thought you were somebody else." And she like <laughs> jumped out. <laughs> But uh, it was pretty chaotic. It's like, what the hell? This is happening in Iowa. Was, uh, I mean, it was yeah. very exciting. And I, I, of course, there was a lot of blowback to that and like all this yeah. awful like pro police stuff. But uh, it was heartening to see that in light of just such an awful political environment for so long now in Iowa to see. You know, that's yeah, been people... the most inspiring thing, really, is seeing some of the activism uh, yeah. in Des Moines, particularly. It's closest to, you know, where I've uh been so yeah i mean we there was uh i don't know i think that was probably the point i paid the most attention to local politics because it just i don't know it's a very visceral 
thing going on. And uh, I, I know the Iowa Informer, this might be an interesting thing to bring up, was um, was critiquing a lot of the way uh, Des Moines media was reporting on, you know, kind of the events that were going on, especially Aaron was really uh, harsh on some of that. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that, I guess, or about how, yeah. how that was going down? <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on that. Yeah. And you, you mentioned uh, uh, I was more active, I think, with the Informer. And I will say it's a lot easier to be uh, have an active uh, news organization when someone else is uh, <laughs> reporting for you. <laughs> that was great. And it was, um, you know, the way that Aaron got let go from the register was a pretty shitty, underhanded yeah. situation. But, yeah, you know, I, I appreciated it in a way because it gave me a chance to collaborate with him a lot. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun to hmm. uh, do that and edit his work. And that really, you know, led to the informer being the only voice that was not just parroting police narratives basically. And, um, if I do, uh, start publishing there again regularly, I would like to have that be a voice that's certainly part of uh, what is on the site because I think that's really yeah. important. And because, yeah, I mean the local media, you know, you, you ha- you're in a, uh, like a media environment, like, you know, New York or something like that. It's common for media to, critique other media and stuff like that and it's healthy and you yeah. know it's, it's it's not you know iowa nice or whatever you know but it's like you know p- people yeah, are, aren't used to it they're like hey like why are you being an asshole we got all like, you know band together but i think journalists really do the news business or you know industry in iowa disservice by not calling out outlets like kcci that just routinely just commit ethical violations left and right you know it's just they're yeah. they're awful and I mean, that's why I go so hard after them because I don't, you know, none of people do. Yeah. I I was going to say there was, there's probably something good to, you know, you and, you know, Aaron being recently let go under incredibly shitty circumstances. You know, you had somebody working with you who had a, a vendetta (laughs) against the register. And maybe that was, that maybe that was for the best, you know, like I think the register just kind of represents like I was, you know, or Des Moines, like, like media, almost entirely like that in our local stations it's very homogenous and we we do need more like left critical voices here but there's just not yeah. a lot of it the register is not all bad i mean the register does some oh, really yeah, good work sure. but it also does publishes some real shitty stuff you know it's like any you know major city newspaper it's going to be a mixed bag i guess but yeah and not much room there for left voices at all an occasional uh op-ed or iowa voices column or something but yeah, but but on the whole, it's a very like centrist thing. Although, yeah, it it definitely used to have like I, I did a you know we were talking about history here. I did a research project like back way back in the day, like for my like freshman year of college or whatever, where I was looking at different uh like like newspapers' reaction to the Nazi rise to power in thirty three, and actually the best paper that I read was was uh the Des Moines Register because. AP and like the New York Times and a lot of them were like, ah, oh, this Hitler guy is probably not going to do that much. But the Des Moines Register was had had reporters in Germany and they were like, what are you talking about? Goebbels just like led a chant that said lynch Jews. What do you mean this isn't going to be bad? This is clearly oh, wow. bad. <laughs> I'll have to renew my subscription to newspapers.com. I'd love to read some of that. Yeah, I could try to dig up some of those. But yeah, I mean, it it. It is interesting because Des Moines has a, had has I don't know it it was a good media source but way better than a lot of local papers where they weren't just repeating AP and stuff um, at least in the well, 30s. What, but well, I was gonna say one thing to add, and not about the 30s, yeah. but now it's easy to shit on media, and I think it's you know it's it's good to have criticism, and I think people who are closed off to it, um, I mean mm-hmm. that's not the right approach, uh, but. You know, print media is what it is. You know, the industry is what it is now, and the register has fallen victim to it just as much as any other paper. And that—that's in contrast. Like KCCI, which is making plenty of money, it's a totally different, totally different uh, media format. And they have, yeah, I mean, TV is a a different format, and it's harder. It is Mm -hmm. harder to. You can't put anything in context in like a thirty-second, you know news clip but they also should be held to a far higher standard than what they are there are tv outlets in local uh places around the country that do have really good investigative journalism but there's certainly nothing like that in central iowa or 
No, no. Really well, and a lot, of, think of an Iowa. a lot of the Midwest and like smaller places too have, um, you know, like media conglomerates owning um, major like news, right? A lot of right wing media. I don't, I don't quite know the details to that. Oh yeah. Like Sinclair and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Is, uh, is KCCI owned by Sinclair? I'm not. No, they're Hurst. Hurst. Okay. Gotcha. Do you know if that's got like a right wing bend or is it just kind of, um, I don't know. Uh, not like Sinclair. I don't want to speak too much about that because I haven't read about them recently. So I'm not sure. Okay. uh, Gotcha. What their current, you know, kind of ownership management kind of thing is but yes yeah not like the explicit right wing like forcing all their networks uh or all their stations to run you know pro-trump segments and stuff like that like yeah oh my god yeah yeah it's it's good that that's not the case but yeah you, you have like a lot of uh a lot of places especially in you know like you know buttfuck nowhere midwest you know have have these kind of like stations that are run primarily by like Sinclair or something like that. And that's kind of their main source of news. Although I guess with the internet, you know, you, you, you have more options now, but when it comes to like your, your older, older folks, you know, like that's where they're getting their information from is, is that yeah, stuff. You, you talked about, you know, Trump and like, why is, you know, Iowa the way it is now. And, uh, you know, p- part of that, you know, it's, it's almost more negative when local news really drops the ball on informing the communities and that's a huge problem with print media because it's impossible like the Ames Tribune I was a city reporter there I was covering every city council meeting every county board of supervisors meeting we had mm-hmm. uh, um, a, a courts reporter who was you know pretty committed to that and now if you look at the Tribune they hardly ever cover local politics local city government and it's just you know how do you you know people easily you know this this is nothing original you know i'm saying here but they turn to um you know whatever it is facebook or whatever website it's very easy to get in your Mm -hmm. own um uh like you know echo chamber or whatever in the news you can find news that confirms your own preconceived views or whatever and it's also not local news it's national news and that trickles down where you know, like yeah. you're pro Trump on a national level, then you start to see that or look for that in local, uh, you know, your your own community or local politics, and that I think really definitely drives polarization and stuff you see with like school boards and. Yeah, I actually wanted to wanted to bring that up because um, I don't know that's a big big battleground for the right right now. It seems like um, you know the the grooming freak out and all of that kind of anti-LGBTQ stuff that's kind of going over the country right now. I I was thinking of what what you were just saying there where most people get like national news um, because they don't have good reporting like on local politics. And so you have a figure like Tucker Carlson who has made an entire news segment about a TikTok he found um, <laughs> that, you know, and then kind of is like, oh, this is the epidemic of what's going on in your schools. And then because of that, people throughout the country, including Iowa, start showing up at their school boards angry about a TikTok that Tucker Carlson found and blaming their local school board for it. Yeah, that and shit's so, so awful. It's wild. Yeah. Um, like what's the TikTok account has targeted Iowans like repeatedly. I didn't I didn't know that. Um, there was like specific Iowans they went after. Yeah, I think the there's some drag show in Ankeny that this uh, uh, school district allowed. It wasn't like I can't remember the details, but there's that. There was even before that, um the Ames Public Library, uh a librarian who used to work there, she um I know her pretty well and uh she organized the um what what do they call them? The uh you know, the, the um drag, you know, uh storybook hours, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. She got that going there, and it was really cool. Really, uh, it's a positive thing for the community. But also, I mean, she was targeted by, or the library was targeted by Alex Jones and all this Jesus. stuff. It was fucking crazy, and it's yeah. So I mean, predates. You know, it's been going on for several yeah. years. You know, I mean, Trump. You know, 2016. And it's been it's been a shift. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I know you uh, you wrote an article when I say recently, I think it's been half a year now. Um, but you you were talking about um, kind of moral panics in schools in Iowa. Uh, um, yeah, the, I, I don't know. Do you the Photoshop what, penis one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you kind of see happening with, with local kind of moral freakouts around schools? I don't know. Well, so I, I grew up in Ankeny, went to Ankeny high school. So that's been really bizarre watching the QAnon moms. Uh, oh, Ankeny God. is a much different town now. It's actually trending democratic. Yeah. Uh, it was never you know, like a liberal place. It was very white, very religious, very conservative. When I went to school there during the, the Bush yeah. administration was when I became politically uh, awakened or radicalized initially, I think. Um, yeah. Rock war and everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, there was, there's like three or four times the number of people living there now. It's, you know, that and Waukee, like we're two of the fastest growing suburbs or, you know, whatever in the country. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's been kind of a trip. Um <laughs> And that ties into what's happening at the state level and national because all this stuff, I'm sure you're familiar with like Christopher Rufo. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Who, I mean like he's, that, that guy's fascinating to me. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but uh, um, yeah. I mean, he, he's just open about it. He just spells it out. He's kind of just, he's very bold and you know, he, just, he doesn't give a shit. It's not like a secret. Yeah. And well, he's, he's broken thing. the discourse so repeatedly. Yeah. Cause he's responsible yeah. for the CRT thing basically. And right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you see that with, you know, trickling down to like, you know, with, with Iowa, I mean, the, 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 the CRT thing, the, the grooming thing, the books, I mean, these are books that have been on library shelves through like the, the, um, absolutely true diary. Uh, what was that? The, um, uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Of a part-time the, Indian. Part-time yeah. Indian. Yeah. I mean, uh, that yeah. book was, you know, I mean, it's been on the, the controversial book list of the, what's the ALA for, you know, a decade is, or something. And there was never any like huge panic about it. Legislators, it's obviously just political grandstanding and opportunism. It's so transparently obvious. And, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, they, like, the, the craziest thing with that article that you mentioned was, mm-hmm. or, I don't know what the craziest thing was, but Brad Zahn, the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee. <sighs> Yeah, that guy. He's talking about how I mean, he's completely butchering the definition of what child pornography is. He was at a, a Greater Des Moines Partnership <laughs> panel, and of course, no one calls him out on it. They never do, you know, because he's speaking civilly. And I mean, he wasn't really. He's like pounding the. He's like up and ah, rah, 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 you know, and it's like it's, just, it's just a fucking act. I mean, he, he's yeah. saying that. What was it? If I don't have it up in front of me, but if you if someone emails like something like basically like the concepts like someone emails pornography to a minor that's child pornography or something it's like not even close to the actual definition that's of not pornography the legal definition is. at all <laughs> and so he surely knows that and if he doesn't like why is he the head of the senate judiciary committee i mean that should concern every like fair-minded iowan but you know yeah i don't know if anyone even wrote about that or noticed that in the video that the um Des Moines Business Partnership, or whatever it's called, Greater Des Moines Partnership, uh, put on YouTube. But uh, yeah, yeah, like, um, so many, so many examples of that. It's just exhausting to follow it on a regular basis. But uh, <laughs> I mean, those are the people who are calling the shots in the state, who are forming, you know, public policy, and it's scary, you know, because you know I don't have to go on and on about this, or you know, but the, the public schools were, you know, the back of the you know, quarter in Iowa is a one room schoolhouse, you know, foundation and education and mm-hmm. Republicans will talk about how they've increased funding for public schools, but there's no context to that because they are constant. Every time giving less than what's needed, they're raising the amount of funding by nowhere close to what's needed or asked for by administrators and the people working in and with the schools that know the most mm-hmm. about their needs and, now they're just openly just trying to just tear public schools apart. And it's really, uh, yeah. it's alarming. It's sad because there's nothing that there's such so little, uh, political pushback. There's, you know, Democrats are, I have no power at all, except for, you know, Rob Sand can audit some things here and there, but, uh, Tom Miller is doing nothing as the attorney general. And yeah. beyond that, you got pretty much nothing. Yeah. Do you, do you see any sort of like left backlash to this stuff happening in Iowa at all? Do, do you anticipate that in the future or are we just kind of headed down this path? I mean, I, if I had to get, well, I mean, I think that what's happening in Iowa, you know, again, like I said earlier is happening across the United States. And I think that the way out of this, you know, might follow a similar trend and mm-hmm. just kind of, ride the political tides i don't know i mean some of this is really hard to you know push back against a tidal wave that's just it's kind of like like the the wave of populism you know that 
brought Trump to power. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, yeah. It's it's easy to criticize Democrats and Democratic inaction. I think a lot of that is very deserved, and I do plenty of it myself. Um, yeah. And it's easy to sound off on Twitter. I mean, I'm what am I doing to try to you know organize against it? I don't know, but yeah, do the informer. I guess you know. I mean, I don't think that's for nothing, but um, yeah, it, yeah. I I I don't know. Yeah. I wish that there was stronger political resistance because it seems like and there are definitely many people in Iowa who are very uh, upset and rightfully uh, you know alarmed. Like I said, about what's going on here, and there is. Mm-hmm. There is organizing against it, both within the electoral system and outside of it, and I think both are necessary. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'd like to see more. Yeah, and especially within, like, institutionally within the Democratic Party, like there are some people. There are a lot of good people doing good work and trying to push back in a stronger way. But there's institutionally, I don't think they're doing that. Mm. Yeah. Well, and even externally, like I, I, and I I might be wrong at this, but I think of when I think of like, uh, like ICCI or, um, some of the local progressive orgs, I I don't think the school board stuff is their focus, which not, not, that's not really a critique of them because they're focusing on like, like environmental issues, for instance, which is really necessary. Yeah. Um, They've always been strong on CAFOs and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you don't really see like, I don't know, any, any leftists going to school boards and, you know, may, maybe that's part of partially just like, um, people with kids from Iowa don't usually stay in Iowa. Like they usually moved when they were younger or whatever. There's kind of a pretty bad, um, you co- you go to college here and then you bounce and head to a coast or something. There has um, been a lot of really strong, uh, uh, I would say inspiring, um, pushback from students. Good within the school districts, you've seen that in uh, um, some of these districts where they're debating book bans. I'm trying mm. to think of like Ankeny, there are students coming, uh, Johnston, and there's that uh, whole thing with Turning Point USA and Johnston, I think the bottom of the yeah. group. Well, there's the, there's been and the then, battle over trans athletes as well. Um, yeah. And, and I, I recall seeing some of the students pushing back against that. Yeah. And you're um, right. Though, a lot of them are going to leave Iowa. And I mean, I left Iowa. I came back because I wanted to try to do journalism here, and yeah. which I, I guess I pulled off for a while. And I, I'm kind of trying to figure out what my next steps are here. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate to see people just so disillusioned with their state. But, I mean, I get it's Iowa. I mean, like it's, it's fun to, and I would encourage everyone to travel and not just live in you know mm-hmm. settle down in the community they grew up in you know it's great to if you have the ability to spread your wings you know and go to the coasts and bigger cities and things like that it's a, it's great um just human experience but uh yeah it's it's a uh, we we do need people like fighting the battle here though and so yeah, and that, that's, and like that's the, kind the of brain a, drain thing is a real you know thing yeah it's, yeah and i i yeah i don't know i mean ho- hopefully we start to see some of that but like I don't know. I don't know how long I'll end up in, in Iowa. I don't know how long <laughs> everybody, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of people I think of is like, you just good friends of mine who are progressives usually end up um, leaving, which is understandable because I mean, the direction here just looks bad, but I don't know. That's kind of why I want to stay. I mean, especially if I, you know, yeah, stick with journalism. Um, Cause yeah, like you said, there need to, needs to be people, everywhere you know fighting for what's right and it's uh yeah pushing back against all this crap what's really demoralizing about it is just seeing how effective all this moral panic messaging is just the i mean so much of the conservative worldview i think is kind of inherent to that in a lot of ways where fear-based messaging is just in a psychological sense it's effective it's simple it's Mm -hmm. black and white thinking it's strips out all the nuance and the right I think is always better at that than the left you know it's um and I don't think I should do that yeah the left has a difficulty with like moral language I think like getting kind of like um I like I would I would almost love to see if there was like a moral panic over climate change <laughs> you know what I mean like and what would that like even that. look like I I have no idea but it's like I I think it it the right has proven it's a good way to rally people but like how do you how do you do that from the left? I, I have no idea, you know? 
Yeah, it's, and it's just part of it is just how low do you want to go, and I don't know that I want to see that from the left. You know, like I don't want to be associated yeah. with a movement like that either. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's complex. Yeah. Um, I forget what I was saying before that. Yeah. Um, well, it's how it's demoralizing to mm-hmm. try to you know fight back against it, and like so much of what I wrote have written at the uh, Informer has been debunking conspiracy stuff or just trying to expose it, I guess more so. Yeah. And I think, I think that's important to get on the record, but then it's like, I'm kind of, I'm responding to them. It's so reactive. And I think it's a problem with the democratic party too. So I guess I'm guilty of the same thing. I I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of my writing or some of my writing where you're always, you're responding, you're not, you know, pushing the narrative in the opposite direction. I guess that's part of it, but Mm -hmm. it's just hard to, I don't have any, I'm spinning my wheels here as I'm saying this, and it's it's, uh, it's, an, it's yeah. something I wish I had a better answer to. Yeah, I mean, well, because I think I think part of it is because I I think the right has had a victory over how we see the future because I think it's really really hard to imagine a progressive future right now, like with the victories that the right are is having. It's like kind of hard to imagine like to think almost like utopian or in, in any sort of way about like where things could go. Uh, well, yeah, know, they, especially with the courts and, you know, that's a generational yeah. thing, you know, I mean, probably. And yeah. Reynolds is kind of, you know, packed the courts in Iowa, the Supreme courts and, yeah. and a lot of boards and stuff too, even sometimes in violation of Iowa law, I believe, you know, uh, we're supposed to have uh, like partisan equity on, on boards and commissions and stuff. They're, uh, no, we don't. Um, yeah, yeah they're uh, Republicans are really, or you know, independents who are you know actually you know Republicans you know for all intents and purposes are. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, it's like there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to contend with. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. baked into the yeah. institutions and stuff now. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I, I guess, yeah, it's demoralizing. But like, yeah, like, like you know, we we've been saying we do need people who stay in the Midwest and, and fight the battle primarily because, you know, what, what's been on my mind a lot lately has been climate change. And, you know, for whether we like it or not, the Midwest is going to be a refuge um, for a lot of, you know, kind of the, the uh, people fleeing from climate catastrophe on the coasts or the, you know, the global South or whatever. And so, like, yeah, we, we do need a kind of a battle here over making this an equitable place for immigrants and people who have to escape here. And as it currently stands, it's it's so not. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the hard thing about um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but kind of like going back to what you're saying about, like, you know, with climate change, there's a moral panic over that. I mean, climate change is a really hard issue politically, I think, because it seems so intangible. Mm-hmm. and far off it's not something that it's clearly i mean you can look at changing weather patterns and stuff like that and being like okay this is like affecting us like the derecho but it's hard to show scientifically with a lot of this stuff like is that climate change is that just like a weather anomaly you know because there's weather versus climate and everything Mm and just it's harder to see like the direct impact to like individuals lives i think and like the immediate the the immediacy of it anyway whereas like a like a moral panic over like transgender you know individuals you know you can see that it's like they are like it's us and them and there are others and you mm-hmm. can really just it, it's a much simpler thing where you can see this person in front of you you can demonize them and say they're a you know, sexual deviant and stuff like that and it's much more yeah this base kind of thing it's a um it's that mm-hmm. that's how i've always kind of thought of like yeah kind of stuff i guess yeah that i guess how how do you like frame more leftist things in a more like immediate way as I think kind of a challenge because like I can think of like, well, I was going to say stuff like unions and stuff like that. You can more tangibly talk to somebody and be like, you know, your, your boss screws you over. Like you could, you could organize and he could not screw you over anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I think that Well, you saw with the John Deere uh, protests, you know, that crosses, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, partisan lines or it's not even about that, but, uh, um, the John Deere mm. protests were interesting because I was in Ankeny at the time uh, when that was happening, and mm. uh, that was cool. Just to, especially because it's also at the same time when the the QAnon moms and the uh, Stacy <laughs> Pierce, this QAnon 
crazy QAnon guy who's harassing and threatening the school board. So it's like you see, it's a <laughs> nice study in contrast there to see the you know something positive with the, the union organizing and, <laughs> going on at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> another thing too, I think, is uh, like a like a left thing that's more tangible, much more tangible than like climate change is, um, you know, universal health care. Because mm-hmm. I don't know who can honestly look at the U.S. healthcare system and say it's fair or just in any sort of way. Yeah, I mean, there's just horror stories left and right every day, every hour of every day. Probably, I mean, it's just it's mm-hmm. it's nauseating and it's just a. Yeah, well, I th- I think what makes climate change tangible to people hasn't happened a ton in Iowa, to my knowledge, but it's been like fracking. It's been like, you know, you know, suddenly, uh, you know, an energy company is fracking in your backyard, but we haven't really had a ton of that in Iowa. So that kind of makes me nervous that there won't be as much of the, uh, the realization of predatory extraction like that. I was, I yeah, know. I was thinking kind of like specific to Iowa too, when I was saying that, but I mean, you do have the, you know, the carbon, yeah. uh, pipeline and then the, um, the Dakota access pipeline before that, that's another thing that yeah. Democrats could, I think. Uh, um, capitalize, you know, poor choice of words there after what I said about healthcare, but, um, you know, like on <laughs> politically more effectively than I think they, far more effectively than they, I think they have. Because that's well, another I mean, thing where the code access pipeline, yeah. uh, opposition has very interesting, uh, uh, cross, you know, party line, uh, uh, coalition. I remember one of the guys who I interviewed the most, a landowner who was very opposed to it, um, uh, being dug under his property that was in his family for generations i believe he uh died not too long ago and i uh, in, uh incidentally when i was doing campaign finance uh research on steve king he was a steve king donor and uh he was um <laughs> you know like he was a guy who was um siding with icci which is uh you know organized <laughs> protest against, yeah. you know steve king and yeah so it's really well it's yeah because that that makes it a lot more tangible yeah once it's like once it's your backyard that's getting dug up for a pipeline or whatever yeah for him it um, wasn't a climate issue but i mean climate is inherent in you know, in yeah fossil fuel extraction and transportation and stuff so there's yeah well that's um, a big thing indirectly i guess naomi klein talks a lot about that of like how to organize climate stuff she likes she she was really into pushing for like organizing more in like a local decentralized way where it's more like, okay, this community gets pissed off at the oil or like the coal coal uh, plant in their sure, neighborhood yeah. rather than try to like do a sweeping thing because it's much more tangible. It's like, okay, well I can't breathe here because they're burning coal there. It's more. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, but like with Des Moines, I can't think of like pollution in a way that's like, I don't know, would, piss me off directly because it like impacts me you know i mean the biggest pollution problem in iowa has got to be the just hog shit and all our water supply like yeah the, all the kfos and um yeah yeah i, I think well, that and the river keeps flooding in des moines like once every couple of years i mean that's that's a climate change thing whether we admit uh, it or not <laughs> the nitrates and everything in the water is yeah i'm not sure um, I mean, that flows down to the Gulf and contributes to the dead zone there, and yeah. all that contributes to climate issues. So I guess there is, you know, stuff. But yeah, I mean, but I don't, that, it's good. Sorry. No, no, no. What are you gonna say? I'm just. I, I was gonna say, like, the problem with that is like that the impact is happening so far away that, like, with the nitrate yeah. kind of yeah, with, with yeah. agricultural practices. I don't know. But, you know, maybe maybe you could probably rally people around trying to break up, like, the big agriculture, like, uh, corporations. Um, you know, like, like the way the way it's so monopolized. Um, maybe you could get farmers in on something like that. But I, I don't know. Wouldn't be easy, but, yeah, I would uh, be, be nice to see. And, of course, yeah. I know people are trying to, you know, do stuff like that. It's not um, completely absent from organizing or anything, but. Yeah. Well, I think we're about hitting uh hitting the end here. I guess um 
I guess, uh, you know, we, we've said a lot of uh, downer stuff about the direction of Iowa politics. Um, yeah. Is there anything uh, anything you're kind of hopeful about at all in the state of Iowa politics? Yeah, sorry, I'm a, I'm a cynic. Um, I am too. That's why I go this direction as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, um, like, Indira getting elected to the Des Moines City Council, uh, Jalen, uh, you know, he got beat um by a, a pretty large margin but i mean that was wasn't that the high like the, they poured more money into that uh state house mm-hmm. race than i think any other one and yeah the, the, those local the local activism i mean i spoke about this a little bit earlier that it, that that um i'm hopeful about and that's great to see it's great to see people organizing on the streets just you know and speaking for what they believe in what is just mm-hmm. And not worrying about the naysayers who are more concerned about, oh, man, it's going to cost Democrats some votes or something if we're too critical of the police. Like, you know, that needs to happen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And someone needs to be doing it. We can't just expect any sort of change to happen if we just ignore the issue. And I think that, um, I mean, you know, politics starts locally and all that, you know, you've yeah. About that just a minute ago with climate change stuff and things like that um i think that is where i mean again there's reasons to be uh pessimistic about that too with like school boards and this whole mm-hmm. uh, or- organizing um over moral panics across the country to try to get right-wing people on local school boards but the left can do that too yeah and uh, so things like that I, i'm hopeful about i i recently just moved to urbandale and i Ali is another one who's running uh, for state senate and independent campaign in Des Moines area in Des Moines. Um, yeah. And I met uh, them and Jalen for the first time not too long ago at a yeah a, a campaign event, and you know that that that's great. It's great to uh, be around people like that. It's kind of like what you said. Some of the people you know you hang out with who are fellow progressives, and, um, mm-hmm. and there's power in numbers and strength in numbers. And even yeah. if it's on a, a small level, you know it's a uh, that makes me optimistic, I guess. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's a. That's good. I didn't even. Well, didn't even. Not optimistic. But, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think to bring up. Um. Yeah. We've had a couple electoral victories recently, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that marks kind of a change. But I guess only only time will tell. It's um, good to see that in the national news when Iowa is so often in the national news for really awful shit like the the library and was it Vinton uh, closed for the first time since uh, 1904 when it was first opened because they scared oh. off the you know library director with the yeah over stuff. over mm-hmm. lgbtq stuff yeah that was that's not good yeah and they had like a um, kamala kamala harris book that someone requested so they had that on display and they were like we need a trump book too and it's ridiculous <laughs> shit you know it's just completely absurd um, but that I yeah. always go often in the news for things like that. Like I just said, it's uh, so it's nice to, um, yeah, like yeah, like when Indira won, there were national headlines about how like a defund the police candidate can win, and uh, yeah, one of the first it was like the third person of color on the city council. I think I saw yeah. um, like in this history. Um, yeah, I I, I guess what. I what I what I hope is that yeah, like BLM and the protests in 2020 could could represent slowly like a bunch of these like local battles getting won throughout the country that we might not even be aware of because they won't get national attention. But like, you know, that's how the right was been so successful in the last few decades is they fought a lot of local battles for a long time. And yeah. So maybe that's maybe that's what we all need to be doing is just grinding at our home and trying to make Did it we- better. And people get too hung up on you know, uh, the, the image, like I said, you know, where uh, it has to start somewhere. You have to like introduce it to people. It has to become part of the conversation. It has to be part of just, like public awareness before mm. it's going to gain any sort of foothold. You know, you can't just because something is unpopular or unfamiliar to people doesn't mean you should shy away from it. I mean, you guys, you know, you guys start. You got to start. I mean, somewhere. what? I mean, like it's it's kind of a learn from the right and do it from the left kind of thing in a lot of ways. I mean, look at look at how fucking unpopular uh, pro life stuff has been for a long time, and yet here we are, like living in the country they've kind of created. Yeah. So fighting yep. fighting the battle even when it's unpopular could work. It's just maybe do that for good. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to see. It'd be nice to. Yeah. 
Well, um, well, thank you for uh, coming on here. This was uh, this was rad. Um, yeah, and yeah, uh, you said you're in Urbandale now. We should uh, yeah. get a beer or something soon. All right, yeah, sounds good. Let me know.